Blog Talk Radio. Arrest the president. 
reside on the west side. West side. I murder with my third eye. Third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. <laughs> I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. Yeah. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. Damn. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. Yeah. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Yeah. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest all of them from the White House to the Congress. We all have the evidence. They're all criminals. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. As your host, Brother Africa, on the 11th day of December, year 2022, we come and greet you on the fourth segment of this program, which the theme is News You Can Use and More, Part 4. Like always, we encourage you to join us by dialing in at 323-679-0841. We want to give you information so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. We're going to introduce you to various organizations so that, you know, you can maybe make a choice. If you're now in an organization fighting for the liberation of people, you can join one. Because throughout organizations, you cannot think clearly. And we know, according to our brother Secretary Ray, that organization means everything. So we truly want to free our people, want to free our home, Africa, and we want to be able to make our proper contribution to humanity. We must get organized. We got a dance called Let's Get Organized. We want to learn how to do this dance. It's taking upon the storm of the world. Africans are now beginning to do this dance. And this is going to be our, this is going to be our liberation dance, so let's get organized. We can teach you. If you want to become a part of this ongoing moving train, this freedom train, you can just email us at africaonthemove2 at gmail.com, and we will teach you how to do the dance. Come and join us. Like always, we have a political panelist and analyst who's waiting very patiently to set in the seat, and they're going to take the heat because as they define it, they're going to stand behind it. They get a bunch of little, little nobody trying to be somebody. Come and join us. So let's get started and kick the blisters of our party by introducing you to our political panelists and analysts for today's program. First, we'll bring in Brother Haki from the African Wellness Association. We'd like to welcome him. Welcome, Brother Haki. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My, my name is Haki Kamathi Mashoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness. And Brother Africa, as I listen to your opening, it becomes abundantly clear uh, that the role Africa potentially plays in terms of bringing about a more harmonious, a more humane society, uh, world is very, very key. But, of course, the struggle that Africa faces is no joke. Uh, when we talk about the changes in terms of climate change and we talk about the, the, the level of imperialism that has been elevating on the continent of Africa, uh, Africa is in for a tumultuous uh, um, um, situation. Uh, but having said that, Brother Africa, I think in terms of, you know, some of the things that go on behind the scene with respect to climate change needs to be, you know, unfolded. People need to understand precisely what are the challenges, some of the challenges facing Africa in terms of uh, climate change. But in any event, Brother Africa, 
I want you to check this out. Now, recent UN reports indicate climate change will adversely impact Africa disproportionately in the global south. Officials have been advocating over the last 27 years for Western states to assist Africa in preparations of climate change devastation by providing needed funding to address climate change. In fact, as far back as 2009, Western states agreed to mobilize $100 billion a year to address climate change, but has yet to make good on those pledges. It is estimated by today's standard the global south would need investments of $2 trillion a year. Odds of Western states investing in preventing the continuation of climate change is highly unlikely given advancements in GMO technologies, biomanufactured foods, long-termism strategies, internet to humans, and technology. From a capitalist perspective, life is meaningless, and all that matters is access to raw materials, particularly coming out of Africa. Now, the financing of climate change preparation is part of the climate adaption, encompassing both economic growth, including ecosystem restoration, drought-resistant crops, and weatherproofing of infrastructure. It is estimated Africa would need minimally $52 billion a year for climate adaptation efforts, but Western support for climate adaptation in Africa has been tenuous or indifferent at best. I wanted to make concrete financial commitments to Africa's plight. The West has instead made only pledges to assist Africa, while all the while placing an enormous burden on African financial institutions, already gravely weakened by colonial policies going back centuries. Most recent pledges made last year during the COP26 summit saw Western states pledging $40 billion for climate adoption by the year 2025. Conveniently obfuscating the current crisis facing Africa, funding for the future not only dismisses climate change impact on Africa currently, but such procrastination may well be perceived as strategic. The strategic moves by Western states should not be taken lightly. Reports reveal climate adaption funding has been decreasing since pledges by Western states to do better. UN environmental reports state that 2020, by 2020, only $29 billion has been contributed by the West, representing a 4% increase from three years ago. Of course, this is, of course, minus inflation. Now, this portrait song will not come close to ensure climate adaption is viable or indeed practical. Estimations making climate adapt- adaption possible in Africa conservatively involves a price tag of $340 billion by 2030. Unless the West elevates its contributions considerably, the projected $40 billion by 2025 would fall extremely short and meet the objectives deemed necessary. Now, Africa's contribution to climate change is constrained by a history steep in colonialism and present-day imperialism, where Western states militarily intervene in Africa affairs with the stated intent to destabilize African states makes it easier to install puppet leadership to carry out Western objectives. Implementation of military force over under 127E program is not the only tactic used by the West to further imperialism in Africa. The historical implementation started in the 60s of control over Africa's economic institutions outside of Africa has been immensely effective in solidifying imperialism, confounding Africa's ability to fund its own project to confront climate change. African Development Bank has been at the forefront investing in projects to address climate change in Africa. African Development Bank efforts to combat climate change out of moral parameters looms large in comparison to market-driven motivations that see the crisis in Africa as another opportunity to impoverish Africa, making it easy to reclaim the Africa assets very cheaply in the future. Of course, the challenges that African Development Bank faces are formidable for two reasons. One, the executive board consists of other nations 
that represents the interests of their country, not necessarily interests of Africa. Also, voting on issues is determined by financial contributions to the World Bank. Secondly, financial independence of the World Bank is mitigated by Western states at defined level of investment. In other words, how much African banks can sell their bonds and what price they can sell those bonds or the price of financial instruments. Since Western policy dictates how African Development Bank is organized, the idea is to extract as much wealth from African Development Bank as possible. This transfer of wealth from the African Development Bank is achieved in part by rising debt service. Africa pays some of the highest interest rates in the world. Theoretically, high interest rates are a reflection of not making payments on time. Ironically, Africa is a continent with the exception of four states does a good job repaying its loans. Ironically, in looking at debt, the GDP ratio, in other words, the public debt compared to GDP, which determines interest rate, the U.S. debt to GDP ratio is 800%. Despite this high percentage, the U.S. allowing Europe pays interest to secure 10-year bonds at a rate of zero to negative interest rates. How could it be a continent that pays its loans are strata with high interest rates, but a country performing poorly economically purchased bonds at zero interest rates? U.S. being an enigma can create money with wealth out of thin air. As such, being an originator of those bonds, the evaluation, evaluation of those bonds only takes place when the government assigns value to them. In the case of Africa, international credit agencies are free to determine Africa's credit worthiness, employ any number of economic variables justifying why interest rates should remain high in Africa. Such variables justify high interest rates in Africa may, may, vary, from, may vary from the level of unemployment to the, to the tax base to the, to the quality of infrastructure or even social the lack of poor social services. Ironically, these economic ills are the exact result of imperialism economic policies. The objective is to force Africa into debt, forcing Africa to sell off its assets cheaply, thus ensuring Africa is strapped with debt, unable to address the aforementioned economic issues. Money for climate adaption is unavailable, and Africa finds itself at the mercy of foreign capital for climate adaption at exorbitant interest rates and with assuming the continued subjugation of Africa into the future. Now, as a footnote that we should note, this is precisely why Africa has remained indebted unless Pan-Africanism is achieved. Some African states alone cannot break a strong stranglehold of Western states working in concert with one another. Now, despite the change challenges, the African Development Bank has provided half of the $25 billion pledged by Western states for climate adaption, adaptation. This is by no means an easy feat. Currently, operating funds for African Development Bank is only $4.4 billion. Callable capital or, or the amount of shares sold awaiting payment is $192 billion. In other words, the amount of money owed Africa is greater than what the kinds of money Africa brings in. Now, keep in mind, callable capital is also used to service debt. In addition to authorized debt, authorized debt being to determine uh, what the executive board deems uh, a word in terms of investment, or underscore the precarious or unstable nature of African Development Bank finances. This instability is augmented by capitalist planning, whereby global growth is, is slated to grow slightly above 2%, with U.S. economic growth at just 1.5%. This lack of economic growth will turn out perilous for the African continent. These economic trends will likely exacerbate the struggle for Africa by Western states for the third time in history. The struggle for Africa will entail continued military excursions into Africa and, most, and more exotic strategies utilizing the manipulation of currency using Bitcoin to strengthen the dollar regime while strengthening imperialism. All these measures do not bode well for Africa. 
historical precedent committed to imperialism has little, if any, regard for the revitalization of a continent whose only value lies in its assets, not the people. Climate change destruction could achieve what centuries of subjugation could not, namely the depopulation of the continent, making the exploitation of Africa all the more easier. Do, do us, excuse me. Do, West, do Western states see climate change as a legitimate issue? Judging by investments from banks, investment firms, and billionaires, probably not. The investments of $782 billion a year for Africa's raw resources is a strong indication climate change isn't viewed seriously. All the weather anomaly occurring weekly in the U.S., it is safe bet. Climate change is even much less of a concern for the continent of Africa. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that. Brother High Key, you close with a mouthful. I said a damn debt can't be paid, won't be paid. Let's move on, get our political unity where all things are possible. We thank you, my brother. Next, we will go to Brother Anthony from the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party. We'd like to welcome you today to Africa on the Move. Talk to us, Brother Anthony. Welcome. Thank you, Brother Africa, for having me. Revolutionary greetings to you, uh, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And following Brother Anthony, we're going to now bring in Brother Moses from the D.C. Metro Coalition in the defense of the Cuban Revolution. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years in 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, E-R-A-E-S. And we continue to struggle to unite the many to defeat the few. We continue to speak truth to power, and we continue to struggle for a better day, knowing that today is struggle, but tomorrow is victory. And I thank you for allowing me to be on the show, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Moses. Yes, we're going to unite the many to defeat the few. Next, we will make our transition to Sister Eleanor, who also represents the D.C. Metro Coalition in the defense of the Cuban Revolution. We'd like to welcome our sister, our sister to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Good evening, um, Brother Africa, fellow panelists, and to our listening audience here in the United States and abroad. Today is a day that we really need to reflect on the last week and why in the United States voting is so essential uh, and uh, why there have been such aggressive actions 
to suppress voters' rights in 39 states. Also, uh, we want to show respect to Mother Earth, all her creations, all the people, everyone on Earth, and uh, protecting our environment for the future generations. I'm an environmentalist, an artist, and an educator. I appreciate this opportunity to participate in this evening's forum. And thank you very much, Brother Africa and fellow panelists, for your tolerance and understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. You're listening to Brother Africa and Africa on the Move. Right now, we're going to, what we're going to do, we're going to take a culture, culture break, a rubbish culture break, and when we come back, we're going to ask you to come and join us by dialing at 323-679-0841. Hit one. We will not just ask for numbers. We will let you know what's going on in your world, what's going on in Africa, Europe, Asia, the Pacific Islands. Um, U.S., I mean the world, this is your segment. When we come back, we're going to discuss what's going on in your world and the community. Join us. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move. Black man, go on and get a cat scan. I had same rap too straight, too tight. We get a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years been my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty. Conscious trumps common sense every day, y'all. Ignore the issues, look at the victim like it's their fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building, minding your business. News trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention. Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call him king, then treat him like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose. Rousey move around the rope. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke. Howdy do for Maui, bro. Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning risings, my end of a long kick in. Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch black power docs and study our chakras. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You actin' like the sun ain't out And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out Oh dear black man, tell me what happened You can't be low when your glow's everlasting Him when your ass been on Aspen like a has been Raising the trap when the gods talk math and moves with a max 10 Not that nigga back then, but look now nigga I'm established, cut camera action I cut lines with my sad card, my bitch is packing Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy, they caught him flagging Then huddle around him with a stat chart, look You say I wake up feeling better than I ever been 
Hey, check out my melanin. It's now the makeup for the mannequin that wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative. You kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish. Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science. And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language. Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors. I fought the haters, court cases, and lost paper. Educated killers walking, no ladies cross the street. Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee. No turning back now. Rent you and your kids gotta eat, yeah. Black man rooted deep with the blood of a king, yeah. Black man roses arose from the cold concrete. I eat, walk, talk, gritty. Snitches get buck fifty. One slice, buck fifty. Both get cut quickly. Until they free Goldie, nobody can fuck talk with about me. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. So we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Black became beautiful, then made America great again. See the page in history or see the grave in hate again. I'm from New York, the last state to free the slaves, and now we getting to the point where they rebooting Martin Payne and them. Black man, switch it up, just to be versatile. Why you always mean mugging? Man, it never hurts to smile. Make a record, break a record, get the record straight. I'm just trying to get it going, I'm trying to accelerate. Life alert. Welcome to my world, live and living color, stay low, word to J-Lo, out here with my fly girl, black man, black man, they give you whack answers, they robbing you with Batman, they give you Black Panther, when all our people dying, they think that we need a movie, but the box office don't break off the descendants of Huey, think about it, I'm cooler than a Coca-Cola polar bear, hold up, roll up something potent right before we go in there, maroon custom support that shit that touches the streets, puffing a leaf on a corner that gave me nothing but grief, don't come around my way if your whole message is how much you got, if you ain't got no fucking shots, then don't touch the fucking rock, Lucy still 50 cent, cool what kind of blunts you got, you can lock a few niggas for hustling, but nothing stops The judge just makes a hero And a young black boy lose their fucking pops And go on a robbing spree like fuck the ops Phone out of battery, black mirror, word the Windex King of the table of contents, human index I handle everything myself, the one man quintet Let's take it where it hasn't been yet Dear black man Worth life One take Fuck you
That's right. We're fighting upon our arrival and still fighting for our survival. Stop being a buffalo soldier and fighting the enemy wall and fighting against your people humanity. Join the people class. Don't be part of the anti-people class. Let's organize a revolution one time and bring about this change so we can make our proper contribution to developing a few a free humanity for all people. That's what Africa on the move is all about. We know by achieving Pan-Africanism, which is the total liberation and unification of Africa and the scientific socialism, once the objective achieved, it will help solve all the problems of African people and will put us in a stronger position to help solve other people who are oppressed. So come and join this movement. Africa is on the move. We welcome you back to what's going on in your world and community. We encourage you to join us by dialing in 323-679-0841. Hit 1, and we'll acknowledge your last phone numbers. Also, we'd like to know that if you're planning on going on that freedom ride trip with us at the African Wellness Association, please make sure you contact or email us and let us know you have an interest. The trip will take place on January 23rd to the 30th, 2023. Bring in your new year, something different. Come and support Cuba, which is a revolutionary society, a revolutionary country. It's a country that's been fighting to help you achieve your liberation. So, you know, stop falling for the okey-doke and getting your money to the enemy. We must understand the value of understanding the concept of a political economy and how you spend your dollar and where you spend your dollar. So on that note, come and join us. Now at this point in time, what we're going to do is make a transition to what's going on in your world and the community. We bring in Brother Haki and Brother Haki. Like always, what's going on in your world and the community for this week? Well, Brother Africa, uh, just a little bit about, you know, extradition. It's amazing, you know, how the U.S. goes around the world and, you know, and uh, pick up foreign nationals and bring them to U.S. prisons. Uh, the mere fact that the U.S. can get rid of that is, uh, is, is mind-blowing. And the fact that uh, now they're currently contemplating on a, getting this young guy out of, uh, out of the U.K. And, uh, and, and, and like, you know, all extradition, much of it has to do with public relations. But anyway, anyway this particular case is very, very unique. And so I thought it, it's important that the audience, uh, you know, uh, be availed of, the, you know, what's going on with respect to this particular case as it relates to extradition. But anyway, anyway, Brother Africa, check this out. Now, currently, the U.S. government has contemplated contingency plans to extradite a British citizen, 19-year-old Daniel Harris. Harris, who has a long history of inciting genocide against people of color in the U.K., was recently convicted of terrorism offenses and faces a prospect of 12 years confinement in the U.K. So why would the U.S. government consider extraditing Harris to the U.S. at additional cost? Well, it's alleged Harris' online material contributed to an American far-right extremist, Peyton Gentron, also 19 years old, to carry out a mass killing in Buffalo, New York, killing 10 African shoppers at a grocery store. Unlike extradition of international drug smugglers or cyber criminals, the extradition of Harris lacks international implications. Ironically, racial killings in the U.S. inspired by online propaganda is not new. Harris, like so many ill-informed racists, expresses his views based upon erroneous assumptions of human evolution which leads him to internalize notions of whiteness existing outside of the human species. Hardly ground-shaking revelations, and to postulate Harris' position, his racial proclivities is uniquely threatening to the U.S. is preposterous. 
Behind your strategy to extradite the lies, geopolitical concerns have nothing to do with Harris' alleged impact on Gentron's motivations. Like all geopolitical strategies, public relations plays a big part in conveying sentiments that reflect the real motivations for extradition. For example, like extraditing international drug smugglers for drug trafficking, when most of the illicit drugs that come, come to the U.S. come through U.S. ports of entry, particularly airports, military bases, and shipping locators, obscures the fact U.S. intelligence agencies are complicitous in the dissemination of drugs throughout the United States. For people who are interested in knowing more about that, read, please read uh, James Mill's Underground Empire with Crime and Governments Embraced. Likewise, it is plausible because contemplating Harris' extradition sends a message the U.S. government takes racial killing seriously, of course, unless you're the police. Perhaps the intended target of this deception is African leaders who are under intense scrutiny from their population and are barely in need of some distraction from current favor with Western institutions that systematically impoverishes Africa. The notion the U.S. government will fight racism wherever it arises may not be totally true, but perhaps it will provide breathing room for many African leaders. Harris' extradition is merely a distraction. Now, U.S. extradition in and of itself is problematic. Most extradition treaties signed by 116 states through the U.S. are dual criminal treaties which stipulate an unlawful act considered criminal by both U.S. and the consignatories. Under Chapter 18 of the United States Code, Sections 3181 and 3184, the U.S. can unlawfully extradite without a treaty in place. The most recent example is Alex Saab, a Venezuelan representative who was kidnapped in Cape Verde, uh, <coughs> which does not have a treaty with the U.S., according to the Office of International Affairs. While the U.S. and U.K. share a treaty, the legal ramifications of dual criminal treaty raises alarming questions as to the legal standard of what constitutes criminal intent between countries. In reviewing Daniel Harris' criminal case, justification of extradition, extradition to the U.S. strikes me as insanely hypocritical but legally dubious as well. U.K. prosecutors admitted Harris was not necessarily aware of his content, had encouraged or, in part, motivated Gintron to carry out attacks in the U.S. At most, prosecutors were able to show the rankings of an immensely insecure man in his attempt to form an attention using incendiary language. Arguing that, that Harris' invective in and of itself is sufficient to motivate Gintron to engage in mass killings is simply too easy. Others privy to her genocide and message did not act. Gentron did. What other influence played a part in motivating Gentron to kill? Of course, the state is not interested in, in addressing that question. Now, the point is not to negate the potential for being influenced by propaganda. It is effective. But because it is effective, government has an obligation to counter propaganda's excesses with narratives that illustrate higher human aspirations, not reinforcing destructive propaganda via media. The reality is extradition of Harris to U.S. invites a slippery slope to fascism where thought can be characterized as criminal without supporting information definitively pointing to guilt. Most recent example is U.S. prosecutors using lyrics to, convey rapper, to convict rappers who employ exaggerations in their lyrics for street credibility. It goes without saying, the biggest error society can make is to justify legal precedent that imperils the rights of the majority. Extradition of Harris to the U.S. will not remedy century-old antagonisms nurtured by miseducation, deceptive media narratives, or right-wing propaganda to facilitate division in society. If U.S. government is sincere about racial violence, rather than extraditing Harris, it should confront the foundation of ignorance by ensuring access to more information for the masses, not less information. It's worth noting racism is based upon the assumption whiteness is distinct, unique, biologically, separate from humanity. 
by confronting this ignorance, it can be demonstrated there is only one human race. The human race out of Africa is applicable to us all, and the self-imposed demarcation complicates humanity's ability to reverse ideas and actions that will lead to the demise and destruction of not just the human family, but the planet itself. The point is not to imply, now the point here is not to imply bigotry will, will be eradicated. Perceived differences based upon language, custom, and traditions will manifest, but those manifestations of those differences exist on a conscious level where discourse is possible and rational critique is possible. Unlike racism that exists on an unconscious level through innateness or internalization of the very real quality in the minds of its practitioners, makes discussion of racism extremely difficult, if, 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 if at all possible. Point in fact, numerous studies have corroborated the propensity of majority of white working class uh, allegiance to culture, not class. It is this peculiarity that makes possible electoral support for far-right politicians whose only promise to working class whites is continuation of the status quo. Radical strategies needed and what could be more radical than undermining beliefs and racial superiority as a means to spark discussion, breaking into focus the pervasiveness of economic exploitation. Now, the, sub now, the subjective nature of racism, which, when subjected to alternative reality, can be very disorientating for many. That is characterized as white, white, white traits when viewed in non-whites, often are seen as attempts at emulate whiteness rather than a genuine expression from an autonomous human being. This is in part why the subjective nature of racism must be challenged by other perceived whites. Now, despite the, now, despite the reticence of progressive whites to advance the origin of human beings, this tendency of subjectivity must be challenged in the history told. It collectively do not refute distortions of race as legitimate scientific inquiry. We ensure the spread of Daniel Harris' homicidal impulses and the power of the state to make his illusions real. It is time for white progressives to weaken the racial foundation that underpins so much destructiveness throughout the world by injecting historical truths. And that is my challenge for today, Brother Africa, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. And from Brother Haki, we will make a transition to Brother Anthony from the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? Hey, uh, s several, uh, several things. Uh, yeah, several things. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let's see the. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, the Artemis rocket, one rocket, landed uh, in the in the Pacific Ocean earlier today. Uh, and uh, one of the things that people don't understand is that this um, that this um, uh, rocket launch causes further in environmental damage. But of course, the uh, capitalist media did not deal with that aspect of the issue. But uh, they uh, they talked about only extending the uh, the exploration of uh, of uh, space, uh, outer sp outer space, uh, not and uh, you know without explaining the implications that it could have on Earth. And also, uh, and also uh, other planets in the solar system. Also, uh, Morocco uh, became the first African country to make it to the semifinals of the World Cup. And um, you know, and 
you know, and uh, the, the the significance of that is that uh, is that a lot of countries that are dominant in soccer use Africans to uh, uh, in, uh, uh, on their teams, but Africa's not given. Africans aren't given credit for their contributions to soccer. Also, uh, let's see. Um, uh, there was, um, uh, let's see, uh, Brittany Griner was, uh, uh, was, re- uh, was released as a re- result of a prisoner exchange between Russia and the U.S. And uh, the reason Brittany Griner was in that situation in the first place is because of disparity between uh, the salaries uh, of NBA players versus players from the uh, WNBA. Uh, that's pretty much it for right now. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And Brother Anthony, we will go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? He's a representative of the D.C. Metro Coalition. In defense of the Cuban Revolution, talk to us, Brother Moses. Yes. Um, in terms of the, the committee in defense of the revolution, um, we we are in the planning stages of trying to get together some political conscious raising around Cuba and uh, a possible fundraiser. Um, that's that's in the planning stages, but we haven't set on a venue or any any definite commitment as of right now. Um, Meanwhile, the 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 government of New York and uh, prosecutors are still on Trump's case. Thank goodness, and um, and things seem to be progressing right along with uh, with the um, situation. Uh, hopefully, he will be indicted um, and uh, prosecuted. Meanwhile, the, um, I'm still reading the book Socialist Reconstruction by the Party for Socialism and Liberation, uh, and uh, I find it very interesting. Uh, I have um, that um, it says socialism must be fight, we must fight for the battle of ideas now, wherever we can, and as openly as it is practical in such a way that it links the everyday struggles with the necessity of a new system. Socialism is the only solution to the problems of capitalism. And um, certainly we agree with that. And uh, I don't know. There is, um, Brother Anthony covered the major things, um, the Griner situation uh, uh, with her release, and that's good. Uh there's been a some slow movement uh, uh, in terms of progress. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And we now will go to Sister Eleanor as well. She is also a representative of the D.C. Metro Coalition in defense of the Cuban, Cuban Revolution. We'll bring her in and we'll ask you, Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world? and the community. 
Well, um, Brother Moses covered the, the coalition's activities, our fundraising efforts are in the planning stages. But what's going on in my world this week had been uh, the vote in Georgia, and we saw a very narrow race. So we see the impact, and, and that victory there was not only uh, something to watch, but it also showed the how voter suppression is at work in Georgia. We saw people lined up for block, and uh, we saw um, uh, a Confederate holiday, uh, an attempt to make a Saturday a closed day at the polls to support a Confederate holiday. But we saw so much more. And we've seen 39 states pass voter suppression laws. So we see how important voting is and how it's connected to uh, the revolutionary movement in the United States and also to uh, the diaspora movement to organize itself. As we organize ourselves uh, and we begin to take a look at places like uh, the Congo, the Republic of the Congo, or, or sometimes called Kinshasa Congo, we know that as uh, the diaspora in America, the very same thing that happened years ago in, Ro- in Rhodesia and Mozambique could very well happen in uh, Kinshasa, Congo. So organizing here and organizing abroad and uh, as the diaspora grows, we have an opportunity to change this country for workers to take it away from impoverished wage slaves to people earning realistic livings. We've seen that the coronavirus and its impact uh, is no longer a threat to the major population, though thousands of people continue to die each month. But those people are often black, red, elderly, poor, and they have a certain characteristic, and they are not viewed as valuable in this country. So I I see this and the atrocities in Mother Earth. We saw uh, uh, the Ukraine uh, actually have, whether by accident or not, uh, bomb Poland, putting us closer to World War III. We see uh, the big lie, uh, the impact that organizing can have on the world with Donald Trump's big lie, because now we have Zelensky's big lie. His big lie is that uh, Russia bombed its own naval ship in the Black Sea, that Russia, the other big line, that Russia bombed its own pipeline. So we also saw uh, this week uh, Russia received sanctions so that its, its, its commodities, its uh, wealth should be exchanged in euros rather than rubles. So we see the same annexation in Africa with the CFR note, and we see everything in Africa coming out of Africa having to be sold at commodity prices. Uh, we see that uh, the same attempts are now being uh, 
uh, made on Russia that the oil will only be able to sell at $60 a barrel while we continue to support the Saudis and protect their um, shipping routes, which is around the Cape of Africa, coincidentally, 67% of their products uh, go around the Cape, uh, uh, the Cape of Africa to reach its European markets. And uh, we see imperialist expansionism and no concern, as Brother Haki said, about the environment and the destruction that's happening around the world as we air this evening, uh, whether it's the horrific snowstorms happening at this time in the Northeast or the continuous drought in the Southwest. Um, these are issues we have to face, and the sooner the U.S. is uh, able to release the uh, embargo and realize that we are now being victimized. The U.S. is not only victimizing the workers, but it's being victimized in some ways itself in that anyone who incorporates in the U.S., uh, whether it's a Pfizer or, or any big company, they're doing it here because we have lax labor laws, lax environmental laws, that the Europeans won't tolerate and other nations won't tolerate. So people come here to make their money, do their dirt, while they deprive the working class of a decent wage, affordable housing, health care, education, access to transportation. One interesting thing did happen in the District of Columbia, the nation's capital this week, that is as of July 1st, Buses will be free, and there'll be 11 lines that run 24 hours a day. So that's a step in the right direction for uh, increasing communication and uh, public access for people to be able to be mobile uh, and utilize public transportation and increased use of electric uh, vehicles over. And uh, if we can allow the 60-some nations that have stood against the U.S. Uh, in its uh, sanctions against Cuba, we would be moving in the right direction. We also saw in Peru a democratically elected president overthrown and his vice president put in place. And the Peruvians are rioting in the streets. Uh, and so we see democracy is constantly under siege. We're fighting fascism. We're fighting neo-colonialism. We're fighting dangerous imperial imperialistic overthrows where they try to manage and organize and regulate local governments to control their resources, assets, and to control the people. So um, with that in mind, I uh, am glad that we had a victorious election in Georgia, but we also saw 49% uh, of the votes blindly going to an unqualified person who was handpicked by Donald Trump, who lived in Texas for 17 years. 
And he did at least uh, acknowledge defeat, and he stepped away from Trump uh, in that he supported the Constitution in the end. Herschel supported the Constitution, and it's at least a working document rather than fascism, which is a few words of inaccurate information. We also saw Elon Musk allow Trump back on Twitter we saw 140,000 accounts. They called them blue accounts, where the uh, white the white nationalists are back up on the air. Those are the people that encourage our children, who are given tablets during the pandemic, uh, access to the internet, to be influenced by this uh, awful mishmash, this terrible information. So. These are just a few of the things that uh, are going on, and it sounds dismal, but we have an opportunity to change these things, and we can by first just being aware of what's going on and changing our behavior accordingly. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. We've been discussing what's going on in our world and their community. And we'd like to have a little further discussion on what's going on in our world community by raising this question with our panelists. And the question is, I'm just wondering if any of y'all have any take on the narrative or how the U.S. press has been describing the release of Brittany, um, the young lady who was just released from uh, Russia, who was a basketball player, Granner. Uh, have anyone Taking any notice that various members of both parties have seemed to um, come under a um, attack um, against the present administration by saying that maybe it would be better to not to have her released, but to have uh, a, a, a court terrorist who went to Russia try to bomb um, the Russian. Um, to, to place bombs and terrorize the Russian people, they should afford to get this so-called terrorist out or first and foremost rather than getting um, Brittany out because she was only, quote, unquote, they didn't say this, but I would say this, and only was an African woman who just played basketball. How do y'all feel about that kind of narrative? So many people, so-called, so-called American citizens, were not uh, happy with that. Brother Haki, your response to that narrative of how the West has played play out this release of um, uh, Sister Brittany? Yeah, well, Brother Africa, you know, I really wasn't surprised. It's just another example of COVID racism. Uh, one of the things when we talk about decline of the capitalist system, of course, the the, uh, the importance in terms of having scapegoats is, is so relevant in terms of the perpetuation of a, of a falling system. And so inevitably, in, in so anything that, that proceeds to be empowering of African people has to be discredited. So I'm not surprised that when they released Brittany, uh, Brittany Grainer, I'm not surprised that particularly on the right, they were uh, admin opposed her release. In other words, normally when you think about a quote-unquote U.S. citizen being released you know, from a foreign, from a foreign incarceration, Normally there'll be some jubilation, there'll be some excitement, there'll be you know, it's it's indicative of the fact that the U.S. you know has some pull on the world in terms of being able to get its people out of foreign prisons. 
But that wasn't the case when it comes to Brittany Griner, and in large part because of who she is as an African woman. Uh, so I'm not surprised you know, they've, been, they've been on the attack. And of course, when they compare Brittany Griner to uh, this, 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 um, this, this, this CIA operative in Russia, the two are, they're, 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 there's, there's no comparison between the two. Griner doesn't represent an essential threat to the Russian system. This other guy does. This other guy is there specifically to destabilize Russian government, you, you know, uh, to form it as much division as possible in Russian society. So in that context, he's a much more, he, he definitively he represents a much greater threat uh, than Rainer, uh, uh, Brittany Rainer ever, ever could. And so therefore the reality is that you wouldn't reasonably expect the Russian government to release uh, this guy, you know, uh, given the threat that he posed. Uh, so clearly, you know, there was a so there was a comparison made between apples and oranges. But again, this comparison was in fact part uh, and parcel of you know uh, this, ra- this racial racial narrative, which says that the value of African people is not important at all. And so, though, even though you know uh, there should have been uh, uh, should have been much excitement around her release, uh, the mere fact that there wasn't a lot of excitement around her release, particularly with respect to so-called Republican Party and so-called conservatives, the mere fact that they were adamantly up- or in, in other words, if, since they were adamantly opposed to her release, speaks values in terms of the implicit racism that exists in society and why African people have to understand the, the, the very serious nature of this, this racism and what it means to the lives of African people in society. But I'm not, I'm not surprised at all, Brother Africa, that this has manifested itself. So clearly they're making a, they, they, they create, there's a, there's a line of demarcation which they're creating. And it says certain things are acceptable, certain things must be done for those people who are quote-unquote American, but those people who are not American or are not perceived as American, in this case, Brittany O'Grainer, there shouldn't be any fanfare, they shouldn't have released her, they should have kept her there because what the priority was to get the American out and not the other. So we have to say the pervasiveness of racism in American society and stop fooling ourselves and believing, you know, that all we have to do is believe and select the right people to office, everything's going to be all right. Simply not the case, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Aki. Brother Anthony, your thoughts? Yes, as uh, as uh, as indicated earlier, uh, let's see. Part of um, part of the situation is that uh, that that of this prisoner exchange was the fact that um, that uh, let's see. as Haki indicated, uh, you're comparing apples and oranges in terms of um, you know uh, you know the uh, uh, this uh, prisoner exchange. Uh, Griner does not represent a, th- a, 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 a threat to uh, uh, to uh, to Russia. Uh, you know uh, you know whereas. Um, uh, this other uh, the other guy that that the other prisoner uh, did, and uh, because of uh, you know because he was convicted of espionage, and uh, you know so that uh, you know that's an essential difference, and uh, and uh, let's see and. Uh, you know the the you know this uh, geopolitical conflict is going to continue and uh, it's a struggle between the haves and the have-nots at the end of the day. 
And, um, you know, and the thing about it, though, it's important that people understand that. And, uh, you know, and the thing about it, though, because of the geopolitical complexities, it is difficult to understand. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And to Sister Eleanor, I would like to get your thoughts on this particular um, uh, phenomenon as it relates to the war between Ukraine and Russia among the so-called right-wing Africans in this country there's a political discussion or vacuum that is being created that if you don't support Ukraine and you support Russia then you're the enemy you're the enemy of the US you you are our enemy according to the so-called some of the members of the Black Caucus and this is the jargon that's being used now anyone who don't support uh, Ukraine is the enemy to the U.S. What you make up that kind of talk, that kind of narrative, Sister Eleanor? Well, we're as we know, this is uh, an extraordinary time uh, in the United States and the world, and that uh, we have uh, a really um, so much. We're being inundated by the. Um, information age at such a rapid uh, rate that there's so much misinformation. And members of Congress are oftentimes uh, victimized by this misinformation. You see, there is a Georgian uh, uh, internet chat, or it's far more than an internet chat, but it's a site where they discuss uh, the Ukrainian war, and they're in effect promoting white nationalism, but it is so well disguised that many people think they're uh, protecting democracy of some sort and uh, fail to realize that the Ukraine is not a, and has not historically been an independent country in, 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 in modern history but in effect has been a part of Mother Russia, and that when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, uh, and nations, whether it was Latvia or Lithuania, uh, sought their independence, Russia allowed this to happen. Where Russia has stood up, standing up now, is to protect its boundaries and its people, whether in the regions of the Dunbars, uh, as well as protecting its, its, its navy and its waterways, which is the Black Sea. And I don't think that these uh, Black Caucus members have done that type of investigation. You see that they failed to lobby aggressively to pass the John Lewis Voters Amendment of uh, uh, Voters uh, uh, Rights Act or anything else, uh, you see that they failed to address the issue of the January 6th insurgents in a in a political way that reaches out to the black community. Now the Black Caucus serves a great purpose. I mean, it's it uh, it is the founder of the, the Hispanic Caucus and it, in theory and in the past had stood up for people's human rights. But the thing with human rights 
is that this is an ongoing struggle and it requires organization and education of yourself. And the process of becoming an elected person and being able to focus on local issues is very important. But at this time in the world, Brother Africa, it's important to focus. There are no local issues. Everything is becoming a world issue because everyone has access to the Internet and they are emulating what is done particularly in the United States and taking it abroad. So see this as um, um, just an example of the importance of lobbying. Uh, that means um, going to the Congress itself with uh, some information uh, that you can distribute to let them know what's going on with the Ukraine and Russia, in your opinion, and the importance of uh, eliminating NATO in order to protect the environment, to prevent war, and to stop the expansion of uh, white nationalists and uh, hate mongers. So um, with that in mind, I I can only say that uh, we, in order to move forward, must find ways to stand up against um, uh, racism, xenophobia, uh, environmental deniers, and it should start with the Black Caucus. We're trying to do public service, but perhaps without being properly informed or educated. And I would suggest that the Black Caucus get some new CFOs. They won't be chief financial officers, but there'll be children, uh, there'll be uh, 15 and 14-year-olds that are uh, chief future organizers that bring into view what we should be looking at going forward, whether it's not only environmental issues concerning uh, elimination of gas emissions, but other ways that we might improve the quality of life on Earth environmentally, as well as how we can expand and protect human rights and access to education and um, health care and so many other resources because this is just ignorance that they have no view on uh, what's going on uh, in the world. They have no world view in terms of the Ukraine, the expansion of NATO, and any expansion of NATO is harmful to planet Earth, and in particular, it's a threat to Africa. And so as we take a look at um, what's going on, I don't see, uh, for example, right now, we should be taking a look and supporting uh, Congo Kinshasa. Um, And it can be the, what what South Africa became and could have been, but it can become an independent country free of neo-colonialists politicians and trying to advance our relationships with Africa while we see the U.S. Congress has greatly expanded 
expanded into African markets and selling our goods that we can sell nowhere else, the Black Caucus should wake up and look around and learn about what's going on, not only in Europe, but how it impacts uh, the United States as well as Africa. Thank you, Sister Brother Moses, talk to us. Do you accept the notion uh, most countries, African people, and most African countries do not support Ukraine in the war against Russia. Does that make them the enemy to the U.S.? Look at uh, the question of uh, what the proletarian, the working class, working class interest is. Uh, we can't just talk about abstract U.S. interests uh, because there's too many classes in the U.S.A. and we cannot. We have to look out for the working class. And certainly, you know, the Ukraine is is uh, part of the the Russian um, sphere of influence, and uh, and we can't we can't uh, allow the congressional the black congress people and members of the congressional black caucus uh, who who are who are not exactly. Uh, committed to revolution uh, in any sense of the word, and and uh, have 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 many uh, backward ideas in 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 their uh, caucus. So we can't we can't depend on them for leadership on this question. Uh, we have to have an independent stance that's pro that's working class stance and uh, and uh, support the the Russian people were, uh, and uh, um, it's as simple as that. Uh, uh, if you study the situation and understand the situation, but it's it's it's, it's a lot easier to to take the correct position when you don't have the interests of capital as you're trying to protect the interests of capital. It clouds your vision and. Uh, and uh, it's impossible to see the world correctly through capitalist eyes. And so, you know, this is the ideological struggle that we're faced with. Uh, the interests of the working class and the interests of capitalists are diametrically opposed to each other. And so, you know, if they want to call us enemies, I mean, that's 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 their prerogative. But uh, but we we are standing for the principles that. Uh, that are, are just in a just a just society, and uh, it's from that outlook that we look at the Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And for my last question for this segment on what's going on in your world today, panelists, I'd like for y'all to weigh, weigh in on this narrative. On this on this narrative, you know, on December from December thirteen to fifteen, most people are not aware that the U.S. State Department and this administration will be hosting a African Leadership Summit conference where all of the African countries will be coming together. Instead of meeting in Africa, they're coming to Washington, D.C., and they're going to be hosted by the U.S. State Department and this administration. Brother Haki, something's wrong with that picture. What's wrong with that picture from your perspective, Brother Haki? <laughs> Oh, brother Africa, where do you start? You know, uh, you know, I, I, I marvel at the, um, the, um, the, uh, 
the level which uh, African leaders are willing to acquiesce to their own oppression. It's just at this point of the ball game, this point of history, it's just it's just really, un- really, very unfortunate. Uh, bringing all these African leaders, you know, to Washington D.C. to hold what is essentially uh, a meeting of importance to the continent of Africa seems to me uh, seems to me to be misplaced. Uh, clearly, you know, uh, Africa's as Africa's motivations in terms of bringing them has nothing to do in terms of facilitating, you know, what is in the best interest of Africa. Clearly, this is all about, you know, enhancing uh, 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 or improving U.S. relationship with African leaders. And I'm concerned that the mere fact that they took the took the um, uh, invitation, since they're, they're abiding by the invitation, I'm very much concerned that a lot of them are already amenable to what the U.S. has to say. And it seems to me, when you think about the historical exploitation of the uh, of the African continent going back to 1864, uh, and you look at the continuation of that Africa, the ex- exploitation of Africa, uh, it seems to me that at, at this point, people should understand the name of the game. So to acquiesce and actually come to Washington D.C. Uh, under the guise, you know, that some good could be done, I think it's the most foolhardy position that any individual could take. So I think that uh, the U.S. is convinced now that they solidified you know, this conference and they, they got it in place. They're, they're certain that they'll be able to, you know, out of the bunch, at least uh, uh, um, um, convince enough African leaders to go along with the Western design to the extent that it can create some instability throughout the African continent, if nothing more, impose the visions of the African continent to ensure that unity the African needs in terms of survival never come about. So it's a very, very sad commentary about Africa, but nonetheless, I think it's nonetheless relevant in, in terms of what's going on. So when you ask the question, you know, what's wrong with this picture? I mean, there's, there's a lot wrong with that picture. Number one, I don't know why African leaders and sense no, 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 no. Thanks, but no thank you. We're going to meet somewhere in Africa, and we're going to, we're going to hash these, these issues out. If nothing more than symbolism. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we, we, we're talking about, you know, um, the level of, Neocolonialism, or, or the level of, um, uh, of um, the, the, the kind of uh, reverence, you know, you know, for Western policy, even though it disadvantages Africa, is still pretty strong among many African leaders, and so therefore, you know, we, we, we desperately need more and more movement in terms of the African masses, and I know it was a very difficult situation the African masses find themselves in, but certainly we need those kind of movements in terms of you know uh, bringing to bear you know some type of uh, pressure against these corrupt leaders, you know, who are continually selling Africa out and, and somehow don't seem, to get, don't seem to get the message, you know, that Equus, you know, playing by Western rules are tantamount to your own destruction. And I just don't understand at this point in history why more African leaders don't get that. So in any event, uh, yes, to answer your question, Brother Africa, yes, it's, it's very, very problematic. It's unfortunate, you know, and, uh, you know, um, all that I can say is that, listen, you know, we you know we 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 need those mass movements on the continent, you know, in terms of bringing to account in these, these these corrupt leaders. And without that, one thing is clear: you know, a lot of them are just so corrupt. You know, they as long as you give them money, they will do whatever you want them to do. And they, the repercussions for their populations, for their countries, for the for the world, or uh, even for African people globally, is is, is issues of of no concern to these particular leaders. So clearly. Much work has to be done on the continent, and uh, we, you know, we encourage our brothers and sisters on the continent you know, who are struggling against great odds to continue to struggle, and we encourage brothers and sisters who are not, for whatever reason, for maybe other class interests, who sides with the West to shake themselves of this, of this, of this nefarious notion 
that an embrace of capitalism somehow in your best interest. So clearly, I, I certainly hope, and Mr. Bolton standing that you know out of that out of that meeting, somebody you know some leaders out of African states will come to the realization that you know, listen, uh, you know we uh, we use it as an opportunity to gauge what the U.S. strategy is, and, and now that we understand what the strategy is, we can use it to our advantage to to move Africa forward. I'm hoping, and I close with that, brother Africa. Thank you, brother Haki, brother Anthony. He said, when you're at war, you should know your enemy. Um, understanding that's the first rule of engagement is to know your enemy. What's wrong with this picture of the African leadership coming to the United States and hosting a joint meeting under the banner of the State Department and this particular administration? Your response, Brother Anthony. Yes. This meeting is a mechanism for uh, for imperialist domination of Africa continued imperialist domination of Africa and uh, and uh, it occurs because the educational system of Africa is dominated by imperialist interests and uh, this uh, this summit the purpose of this summit is to in, is to entrench that and uh, the only solution is pan-Africanism, uh, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism, which is opposed by imperialist forces, of course, but it is the only solution that will benefit the masses of African people worldwide. And uh, this summit, uh, the perpetuates imperialist domination of Africa to the detriment of the masses of African working people. So, Eleanor, do you ever think that European leaderships will ever go to Africa and have a meeting concerning the affairs of Europe and Africa among African people as a host? No, uh, so far we see France act as a patronizing parent of uh, its former colonies and and foster neo-colonialism in Africa. So I don't think they would encourage a summit of any type. Now, um, whether or not there was a uh, a fifty six Euro conference in 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 Senegal or South Africa, uh, it would be important that the fifty six African nations uh, joined in together and to collectively uh, uh, work together to uh, set common prices and goals for its uh, resources that are needed to uh, support the Western imperialist war machine, um, as well as to maintain our cell phones with the cobalt and all these other materials. Um, Not even for those reasons would I see them going to Africa for a conference of this type. But I don't think that's the real point. 
I think the real point is why and why and how, not so much why, but how can um, activists on the ground in the district um, reserve rooms at the National Press Club or, you know, the leaders of the community, such as the quote-unquote, as Robert said, should be leaders, such as the Black Caucus, Congressional Black Caucus and others, the NAACP, uh, the the Socialist Party and others, organize events that uh, foster education of African people as to what's going on the ground here. The 39 states that passed voter suppression laws take a look at what's happening in Africa right now, the four candidates in the Nigerian election, uh, an attempt to overthrow the South African president and draw parallels and show how this just happened in Brazil and begin to help our uh, neo-colonialist brothers and sisters see how they're being victimized. And it is true that they are their families are becoming very rich. And if you are part of the political elite, you have access to resources and information more than anything, resources and education that others don't. But where does that leave the rest of the world? So, no, I don't see this as uh, uh, anything but uh, uh, a neo-colonialist um, um, event to uh, an imperialist event to pull in his neo-colonialist servants um, uh, and to further expand his influence over the continent of Africa, as I believe one of the fellow analysts mentioned. This is not uh, in any way productive for Africa. And no, I don't see any Western nation um, attending such a conference in Africa. As you mentioned. Thank you, Sister Brother Moses. Your response to this meeting in Washington, D.C., what do you take from it? I think we may be having some. Hello. Hello. Yes, Brother Moses. Um, we can hear you. Yeah, um, obviously, this is a, a neocolonialism, uh, direct imperialism. Uh, the U.S. government has 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 no interest that that's gonna uh, be beneficial to the masses of African people. Uh, that's for sure. So, you know, the the only reason they could have the summit would be to pursue U.S. interests, um, and uh, and uh, so you know after the the African people have to have self-determination, uh, independent of, of the U.S. government. They have to plot their own agenda and their own demands and their own their own needs must be pursued uh, uh, internally among the the African people. And and I don't see I don't see the U.S. Uh, looking out for the interests of African people. They into the foreign policy is a continuation of domestic policy, and they don't look out domestically 
for African people, and they certainly won't be doing it internationally. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Move. We're speaking to our political panelists and analysts as it relates to what's going on in our world and the community. We will now take a break. We will go to a rubbish cultural break, and when we come back, We'll make our transition to our theme tonight, which is News You Can Use and More, Part 4. We're going to talk a little bit about how do you control African people and get them to become someone else. That's going to be our discussion based upon the movie called Trick Daddy in 1974. If you'd like to hear your remarks and more, we'll be right back and we're going to speak truth to power, powerless. And one of the main things we want and strive for is power. So we'll be right back. This is Brother Africa from Africa on the Moon. Never. 
The state is an organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state in Tree well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. You know how we think Organize the hood under our chain banners Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas FBI spying on us through the radio antennas And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society With no respect for the people's right to privacy I take a slug for the cause like Huey P While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P I wanna be free to live Able to have what I need to live Bring the power back to the street where the people live We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons Dying over money and relying on religion for help We do for self like ants in a colony Organize the welcome to a socialist economy A way of life based off the common need And all my comrades is ready, we just spreading the seed Shout out to black male Live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white male And the people don't never get justice And the women don't never get respected And the problems don't never get solved And the jobs don't never pay enough no more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closets. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in they back than fire back. We're tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks, denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map. That's why I write the shit I write in my rap. It's documented, I meant it. Every day of the week, I live in it, breathe in it. It's more than just fucking believing it. I'm holding in ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit. It's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion. Niggas ain't ready for revolution. Your average black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell. Cause the world is controlled by the white male. And the people don't never get justice. And the women don't never get respected. And the problems don't never get solved. And the jobs don't never pay enough. So the rent always be late. Can you relate? We living in a police state. Transition to our theme tonight, news you can use and more, part four. 
before we do this, let me make a couple quick announcements. We would just would like to remind everyone who hear and listen to this program that you can hear us on Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. For those who like to send any comments, have any questions about this program or any other program, you can email us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. And, of course, we want to build a bigger and better program, station, work, do more work, and we need your support, need your help. If you want to share your support and your love and send us a, pre- a present or a gift, you can do that by either making your check or money order out to app. To African Awareness Association, P.O. Box 4433, that's Richmond, Virginia, 23220, or just cash app it, cash app us to dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. That's cash app, dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, Small R, small O, small B. Where you support the station, you're also supporting your community. We're going to give back people. When you give back to the people, this is how we can make the community grow. When your community grow, we can become more powerful and create the kind of institutions, create the kind of tools that we need in order to liberate ourselves as a people. So brothers and sisters, friends, and supporters, come and support this radio station, Africa on the Move. Anytime when you um, use this name, please hashtag us at Africa, hashtag Africa on the Move Radio. Hashtag Africa on the Move Radio. We want to build this, this, this particular vehicle so it can be powerful too, where you can be the voice for the oppressed. So until next time, just remember, to spread the word, to have your friends and supporters to join us on Sundays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. So right now, we're going to go back to our political panelists and enemies, and we're going to discuss our theme today, part four. And one of the things we want to ask you and our panelists is, the issue is, how do you control African people? And make them want to become a part of you. And I think that question was articulated very succinctly and clearly. If you look at this particular documentary or movie that was titled Trick Baby, 1974, it's a dinner scene in there where they express how they are answering that question. How do you control African people and make them become your servant, make them become your slave? And they did in less than one minute. Now, one of the issues they raised in this particular dialogue in this movie, Trick Baby, 1974, for those who have seen the movie or that particular scenery, we encourage you to go to YouTube and Google it. You'll find it real interesting because it's very powerful. And right now, I'd like to get my political panelists analysts' uh, perspective on what did they internalize and acquire from this particular uh, scenery when they were at the table discussing how they are controlling African people. And one of the things they mentioned was that when you lift or open doors up for the smart ones and allow them to join your circle, join your network, what you're doing is having them to come in into your network, not only to work for you, but also 
to create a scenario where they cannot organize among their own community and become a competitor to them. This is the first point I'd like for my panelists to discuss, and I bring in Brother Haki to give his um, assessment on that particular strategy that was mentioned in that particular segment. Brother Haki, is it a effective strategy by having the press come to work with you in the sense of giving them promotions, giving them a X amount of, of money, and separate them from their group? So they can really use their intelligence and their time to organize their people into a powerful base where they can compete and fight against their real enemy. Brother Haki, speak to this. Well, well, Brother Africa, essentially what you're alluding to is, is social stratification. Stratification. It has a long, deep history in America. It goes back to the '60s. Uh, in fact, one of the things that was very prominent in the '60s was an advancement of human rights for African people in the society. And, and keep in mind, at the same, at the same token, uh, you had uh, a lot of a progressive, you know, very revolutionary leadership in the African community, and certainly that had to be, had to be contended with as far as the people in power were concerned. And so what they, what they sought to do was to improve the, the social welfare of African people in the society. And in improving the social welfare of African people in the society, what they achieved, what they achieved was very, very simple. They achieved three things, essentially. Uh, socially, um, they, they, they made it possible to where social economic issues supplanted politics. And otherwise, and otherwise, by the government actually treating African people fairly, at least given the, given the perception that treating African people fairly in terms of their economic needs, it supplanted politics. So in other words, if the position is that the government is going to provide you what you need, then why do you need politics? In that context, what it did was legitimize the system. So African people started saying, well, hey, the system is legitimate, and so therefore, because they thought it was legitimate, they, they gave the state uh, a much more favorability in terms of, in terms of, in terms of you know the way it looked at the state, and so therefore, it was a tactic. Uh, keep in mind, none of the stuff, none of the stuff was 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 was, was definitively denoted in terms of when you look at terms of statistically, when you look at the condition of the African people, nothing materially changed. The only thing changed was the perception. They created a perception that things were getting better. Also, in terms of, you know, when they, when they, when they advanced human, human rights for African people in society starting in the 60s, the whole question in terms of economic stratification, which is key, and which gets to the point that you're raising. And thirdly, I think one of the things that was also achieved was the kind of fragmentation that was, was key in terms of, you know, dividing the African, the African people. So if you got, in fact, you know, so quote-unquote professional African people, you know, who have access to jobs, making a little money, People positions from the power can point out, you know, in terms of the possibilities for the African community. So in, in, in that regard, not only could they point out the, in terms of the success of the African community, they also empower these, these, these same black, uh, black, it's called black professionals and create the perception that if you just work hard, you, can, you too can be this. So what it did, it was simply was to negate the reality in terms of system in place to make sure that the masses of African people never achieve on their level, but in, in creating that perception, it convinced those black folks with a little money and a little power, those with a little education, convinced them that they were better off playing ball with playing ball with the system, and they turned their backs on the movement that, in terms of empowerment of all African people, particularly poor African people. And that's very, very important that we understand that. But I think and when we get specifically, we start talking about the importance in terms of social stratification. One things, you know, we we, we got to understand you know that one of the things that people in positions of power did was that they they gave those those educated black folks they gave them uh, visibility. In other words, 
all of a sudden the media TV program started talking about these so-called black professionals. So what they were doing was creating a perception that things were actually changing, that racism was a thing of the past, and this is the new America. But it was all a perception. It had nothing to do with reality. More importantly, it also instilled in these professional black people a sense of loyalty. So they became, you know, your, your black judges, your public office officials. Uh, so what happened was that uh, these 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 very powerful white interests would sit and fund these kind fund these kind of professional black people for positions of judgeships, positions in public office. And so once you have positions in public office, not only do they have visibility, uh, visibility in in in, in, term, in the eyes of poor black folks, but they have visibility to 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 the country at large. And so what was key about this is that while they have the visibility, they can also shape or legitimize policy which is disadvantageous or destructive to the aspirations of most working people and or African people in the society. So they serve a useful niche in terms of their elevation. So one of the things that people often ask when you look at television, why is black folks always promoted as, you know, they're always military or police or they're in some capacity they're supportive of the system? That goes back to the 60s in terms of the whole Philadelphia plan in which they specifically understood if we could create the perception of black people that things are changing, we can trick all of them and we can maintain control and we can solidify our control through these black puppets that we use uh, in terms of creating a message that you know, things are in fact changing. Sort of similar to what's happening in Africa in terms of black lead- political leadership in Africa where these people turn their backs on the masses of people under the perception that somehow as long as they have access to some funds, access to some money, that everything is fine and it means the interests of the mass of people is of no concern to theirs. The same thing happens in the context domestically here in America. Also, I think, you know, one of the things is that, you know, uh, by elevating these so-called black professionals, you also dis- discredit the black political, political parties. So the importance about the black political parties is that by having this party, all the interests that are germane to African people could be addressed. It also gives you the kind of unity you need in terms of moving forward. And the people in positions of power understood that. So one of their, their, their focus was to destroy independent black political parties. That was their focus. And, and certainly by elevating these so-called black professionals, they gave credence to this notion that we don't need a black political party. We can work in the context of the system because the system is, in fact, changing. What they failed to understand, the system wasn't changing. The system, wasn't, the system really created the perception that change was happening, and we fell for it. And in the 21st century, we're still falling for it. So it's, it's unfortunate, but the reality is that's just the way it is. And just one final point, Brother African, I'll I I conclude with this. One of the things when we talk about, you know, the wealthy people buying, you know, you know, you know, you know, buying these, you know, um, backing, you know, these professional black people in job shifts and these public offices, one of the things when we talk about the Congress, and I read recently the article with this guy in South Carolina, Tim Scott, this, I mean, these, this, this billionaire is giving this guy, giving this guy something like uh, two billion dollars, two billion dollars for his war chest, two billion dollars. I'm like, it, it must be a typo, two billion dollars. But not only from him, it was other billionaires, other wealthy people who was funding this guy as well. And it's it's a real irony because when you think about in terms of you know one of the few black senators that we ever had in America. When you think about think back to 1870, you think about someone like Hiram Revels in terms of the very progressive, very revolutionary agenda that he pushed forward. Then you fast forward to the 21st century, and then you see someone like Tim Scott, who does everything in his power to negate the interests of African people. Then clearly, we can conclude that the tactics of the very powerful people, entrenched interests in American society, are working. And so, it's come upon us as a people, in terms of particularly on the, on the community level, 
if we don't figure out the reality in terms of why the necessity in terms of understanding what the issues are, clarifying those issues and working together, then the bottom line is that we're in real, real trouble. So to, to ask your question, Mother Africa, there, the social stratification that you alluded to is alive and well, and it's working very, very well. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Anthony, talk to me. They stated that, Brother Anthony, very succinctly, in less than one minute, how you control African people is you develop a strategy where you lift up some of them. You give them political positions and jobs. You give them uh, incomes that will make them become very comfortable and feel like they wanted them, and therefore you have them not only working for them, but you also you create a division between them and their people. So therefore, you know, by them working for them, they don't have to worry about them standing in their community, organize their people, and they become a leader to be um, opposition to them. Has that strategy been working from your perspective, Brother Anthony? Talk to me. What did you take from that clipping? Uh, yes, it has up to, up to this up to this point. But uh, one of the rules of uh, and uh, let's see. And uh, right now, the class struggle is t- intensifying uh, because where there is oppression, there is resistance to that oppression. And uh, let's see. Uh, what are, one of the ways to counter it, this uh, is to. Um, they have prevented the formation of um, our own independent African uh, political organizations by uh, by uh, through class stratification. In other words, what has happened is that um, is they have bought off, uh, off a section of. Uh, of uh, the class of uh, of the um, African uh, uh, petty one uh, what that they have done is they have bought off through uh, corruption uh, they have bought off a section of the of the African bourgeois uh, uh, working class. They have given them uh, uh, trinkets, uh, and they have, and um, uh, let's see, through giving them trinkets, through rewards, etc. They have bought up a section of the of the working class of the African. Uh, of of Africans and brought them off and and um, uh, you know and uh, you know by buying off a section of this class they have corrupted it and uh, by no Okay, while we wait for Brother Anthony, let's go to Sister Eleanor. 
without knowing your response to this particular footage in the film Trick Baby, where they were responding to how you control and manipulate African people to work and serve them so they would be of no value to their people. Your response is Eleanor. I was thinking of people like Nana Okufo-Ano, and he's the president of Ghana, uh, a great country, a great people, the Akan people. But the main thing with that, um, that, that clip is, as Aki said, you separate these great minds and you make them wealthy why they are encouraged to ignore the problems of the people, such as clean water. Um, there's been a great decline recently in Africa in terms of vaccine, vaccinations for children, in particular measles, things that you were seeing no longer existing in Africa, let alone not having access to the COVID vaccine. But this this is a, a common practice, you know, uh, African Americans, Africans in America are an anomaly, and uh, no one worries about that. You don't need to know who we are or what we are as long as you can figure out, uh, take a few great minds, because we're so, such a phenomenal people as it is, few great minds, and you separate and enrich them and promote them in the community to keep the community, the community divided. You don't politicize them. You don't encourage them to form political parties or to organize self-help organizations or even a museum. You keep them focused on themselves, uh, their enrichment and that of their family and their close circle of friends. So you develop kind of almost an aristocratic class in the 21st century. And um, this meeting that Biden is having this week is an example of of that of that, that very practice. You know, it, it, this is an imperialist uh, country uh, who is taking uh, the nations of uh, Africa and treating them as subjects, as children, bringing them here to. Uh, aggrandize this culture and what is uh, most fashionable and uh, elite in this culture and, and giving access to it for a few and dividing them from the many. Um, that seems to be, I think Brother Haki really um, addressed the issue as well as Brother Anthony. And um, I think that that that's about it. That yeah, you 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 know, in 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 a few seconds, you're sitting at a dinner party saying, "Hey, you essentially made these people one of us when you have separated them from their people and enriched them. They 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 are uh, socially isolated, but uh, uh, financially enriched." You know, it reminds me also of Nigeria right now and the Benin people. When the Europeans and uh, Americans offered to return the Benin sculptors, sculptures to, to the Benin people, they said they can't come home now. They'll be stolen. Uh, they'll disappear. And the Benin people are not prepared to accept them in a safe, 
uh, environment, you know, not only lacking the museums and and uh, to place them, but lacking the um, security to protect them. So with that in mind, um, um, I think the uh, film Trick Baby was uh, very informative. It told you in a few seconds how much control we had over the many, the, the, the few had over the many just by personal enrichment of a few intellectuals and developing their intellectual capacity. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Moses, one of the other points they made in this particular film piece was that in order to keep um, oppressed people from having developed a, a strong sense of rage based upon their suffering and justice is that you create a certain class of them or enough of them where you allow them a certain amount of comfort. Once they feel that comfort become comfort, they begin to identify with the same folks who's causing their causing their oppression. And they are less 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 um hostile <coughs> towards you. Have you found this to be true based upon the realities of what we have learned and lived and seen as oppressed African people in the States and throughout? Certainly, certainly this is true. Um, We have a a comprador class, a petty bourgeoisie uh, elevated to the status of a petty bourgeoisie, and uh, they they buy into the system uh, uh, because the system is, is, is... it's working for them in some sense of the word. Um, they're being enriched, and that's and so they they they're not committed to the overall struggle for all the people, but they're just committed to their own selfish interests. So you know, when we if you find this kind of people, then then obviously you can work with. If you're trying to stop the movement, you can work with these kind of people. Uh, uh, you know, it takes it takes a lot to be dedicated to have the compassion, the empathy, and the altruism, and the love, and the charity, and the, you know all the attributes that um, that uh, a revolutionary should have. Uh, great feelings of love for the people, and uh, uh, we have to we have to understand what's going on and, and look out for the overall interest of the people, which means we have to study the situation and, and not just look at the superficially, but see the underlying laws of, of economics and, and political economy and, and, and deal with them accordingly. And it's easier said than done, but, but we must, we must dedicate ourselves to the struggle. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And now my last question on this particular film footage to my panelists tonight is that, in essence, a good example of what they articulated in that one minute is the present political that exists in the U.S. as relates between the two parties, which is one party, and this whole process of the illusion of voting and this political process. It all plays into the hand of one. It gives us a sense of belonging. 
and make her think instead of we we are not who we say we are, but we are part of them. But more importantly, it redirect our energies and our talents to try to uphold and maintain their institutions and does allow us to be able to think and reflect and build our own. Would you agree with that analysis, Brother Haki? Yeah, can you hear me, Brother Oscar? Yes, we can. We can hear you. Yeah, well, that's 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 the point. I mean, that's precisely the point. Uh, the point is the, le- the legitimization of the system. And let's keep in mind, just go to an earlier or the point that you previously raised, Brother Africa, and that is the whole value system. Uh, one of the things is once you get a people uh, start believing that material things define you as a human being, then you pretty much got them. So what they've been very, very effective at doing is convincing African people, particularly among the so-called bourgeois class, that in fact that those material things define you as a human being. Those things make you better than the masses, masses of people, that humanity is really inconsequential. What is more, more important is the attainment of, of material things, and now that you're God in focus. And so once you've got people buying into that nonsense about material things defining you as a human being, then you pretty much got them. And so, therefore, they're not going to do anything to buck the system or to uh, oppose the system. It allows the system to provide them material things. But the good part about this, Brother Africa, is that when we talk about the decline of capitalism and all of those perks historically that they provided so-called black professional class, those things are quickly coming to an end. Uh, I alluded to the fact that they have one senator of South Carolina who's enjoying immense support, financial support from wealthy people. But that is, that is not the norm. That's the exception. Increasingly, more and more people in the middle class of people, professional black people, are not having access to making lots of money or no longer have access to that kind of visibility. Uh, so what it means is that in terms of the, the influence of the system, in terms of the notion that things define you as a human being are becoming less pronounced. And the people, those, those people who at one point were living house a hog who are no longer living house a hog come to the realization that those things do not define you as a human being, but it takes a, 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 a sort of a, a decrease in their living standard to come to the realization that material things do not define you as a human being. So that is a good thing about what's going on because, you know, one of the things in the, in the struggle for the system is in, 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 when you talk about economic decline, the question is what are you going to do? Where's the money going to come from in terms of providing these perks from so-called black black professionals in terms of maintaining the status quo or perpetuation of the, of the system? So it's, for the system, it's problematic because the money is simply not there. And so that is a good thing in terms of the potential uh, for real liberation in society because increasingly more and more uh, uh, African people, in particular students, uh, you know, are coming to realization, you know, that even with the education and, and, and with your acumen and your IQ and all that good stuff, even in the midst of all of that, it doesn't matter because the system doesn't have the money to reward you to play ball with the system. So that is a very, very good thing. But one thing, or let me just one thing, and I conclude with this, Brother Africa, I think also, you know, uh, when, you, when you talk about uh, redirecting your energies, you know, uh, that is an important, important aspect in terms of, in terms of understanding the, the whole motivation of those musicians of power in American society. Uh, one of the things we talk about the two-party, two-party system, you know, and we spend an odd amount of time talking about, you know, if we just vote this party as opposed to that party, then anything's going to be all right. Often we frame these kind of these kind of uh, these political parties as discussion of the lesser of two evils, and when you stop and look at it, the bottom line it's not a question of two evils. In fact, it's the same evil. It's simply a question strategically how each party handles the oppression of African people. Republicans' position is that listen, 
we're antagonists to African people's survival, and we let them know that. Everything we do is in, in directly uh, in opposition to the interests of African people, and we don't hide from that point. From that point. That's what we do. Democrats say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that because you expose our hand. You let everybody know what's going on. What you do, you embrace them. You make them think everything is okay. You give them a few, a few jobs, you know, and get them into your camp. Use them to 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 espouse your message, and 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 in that way we can maintain control, you know. But they'll be nonetheless more wise in terms of what's actually going on in terms of, in terms of you know uh, how this game, how this strategy, is being played, you know, to undermine the interests of African people. If they don't know what the strategy is being played on them, then they can't fight against that which they don't understand. And that is so when you talk about redirected energies, and that and that is. And that is key in terms of understanding the whole whole Democrat-Republican axis. It has nothing to do in terms of the empowerment of, of, empowerment of working people or African masses. It has nothing at all to do with that. This is merely a game that is perpetuated by the system. There are no choices. Uh, those same Democrats who, 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 who give lip service in terms of equality, jobs for people, affordable housing, Quality education, not this, not this apartheid educational system, but quality education for all children. They might say that in terms of trying to get to the office, but once they get into the office, a very strange thing happens. All of those grand ideas, you can ask Barack Obama, all those grand ideas that they espoused before they got into office, those things disappeared. And you ask yourself the question, why? Why did those ideas disappear? Very, very simple. They understand in order to get paid, in order to make money, you've got to play ball. If you don't play ball, then you ruffle feathers. And if you ruffle feathers, there's no opportunity to get paid. Their motivation is to get paid, again, because they part and parcel brought into this notion that things define you as a human being. Once, once they brought into that things define human beings, of course they're going to play ball. And this is why all these progressives, you said to be, you know, this is why this, this, this is uproar. And I, don't get me wrong. I'm not singing out AOC. I like AOC personally. I like her. I like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. I like her. I think given her limitations in terms of what she's up against in terms of a system, she does a very decent job from time to time articulating the real needs of the people and, you know, and, you know, and the other people in the society. So don't get me wrong, I like her. But just from a systemic point of view in terms of and looking at her, her uh, you know, um, you know looking at her, her, her performance, it's very, very clear that she's constrained in terms of what she will say and what she won't say because she understands that if she's going to continue in that capacity as a, as a, as a congressperson, then you have to play ball. If you want those money to come, continue to come, you have to play ball. And so that's no knock on her. It's simply a realization that when people in, endorse this notion that things define you as a human being, then it's expected what they would do. Deion Sanders, of course he's going to run with the money. He's not going to, he's not going to say that he's sort of HBCU in terms of trying to elevate HBCU status. That's not his focus. His focus is, the, is to attain more wealth. In other words, the more wealth you attain, the more somebody, the more status you have. And so, therefore, that's what it, what it is all about, being a human being. So, clearly, Brother Africa, uh, you know, clearly, you know, uh, is, is, uh, what you raise is very, very poignant, but nonetheless is very, very true. And so, you know, we have to come to the realization in the community, you know, that the situation we're confronted with is dire. And if we don't reject a lot of these value systems that we hold dear, uh, the reality is that, you know, we do so at our own demise. And so when we see our kids out of control, seeing our kids not learning, seeing our kids dropping out, uh, seeing the violence, seeing the kids kill one another, seeing the kids disrespect one another. When we see all of this stuff, all this, all these social problems, then we understand we have to understand the part that we play as adults to facilitate those conditions to make sure those things are possible. 
if we don't wake up and realize the reality in terms of creating, changing these conditions, uh, there's no way we can change these these, these problems that we, we we view from you know all the time. And so clearly we, we have a work cut off us in terms of first and foremost, you know, doing some some kind of um, um, self criticism uh, in terms of you know our own value system, in terms of how how does it play in terms of perpetuating all these horrible things that we we at least say that we we, we abhor. So clearly we got our work to be, we got work cut out for us. Thank you, Brother Haki. Since Eleanor isn't the points that were raised in this documentary trick. Trick Daddy is a good example of the overall design of the political system and the voting process that we endorse in year after year in this country. Your response? I think that um, voting, this is going back to, you know, Lyndon Bain Johnson signing the 1965 Voters' Rights Act that, oddly enough, still restricts uh, uh, African-Americans' right to vote. And I have to distinguish African-Americans from other Africans and other immigrants who migrate to America because when they become citizens, their right to vote is, you know, their right to vote. So there is a definite uh, uh, intent to control uh, African-American access voting and ergo the voter suppression laws in 39 states this is very important for in, at this time where we see an advancing uh, authoritarianism in this country we elected Donald Trump a fascist to uh, the highest office in the land presidency so we see this as a, uh, a serious problem right now and I think that at this time it's very important, uh, though it is a reform, it is very important that the masses of uh, working class, in particular for us as uh, descendants of the enslaved people who built this country, to register to vote and to um, uh, be informed as to who we're voting for. Donald Trump honestly believed that uh, he could take a football player from Texas and bring him to Georgia and people would vote for him. And they did because of the way blacks are seen. Though so he was abusing his wife and numerous women and chaperoning women to abortion clinics and paying for abortion and pulling guns on people, women, and that's an incredible misogynist and also referred to himself as a uh, four-letter word uh, that uh, I couldn't believe. Um, uh, it, it was acceptable for millions of voters, and they voted for him. So this shows us how critical it is at this time that as many people as possible as many people as possible, get out and register your neighbors to vote, register your children to vote, the youth right now. This is becoming a younger country. Get them registered to vote, involved, and educated. We see the impact of giving tablets out to millions of children across this country has had. You know, it was so successful. We were doing so They were having such successes with Sandy Hook 
and other places in the nation, they decided, well, let's give them all the poor people, all the working class people. Let's give all their children tablets so that we can have them on the Internet and this benign names can seem as innocent as heck, but they're pro- promoting white nationalism, hatred, having some 19, 20-year-old go up in Buffalo and kill a bunch of African-American people, having some uh, um, um, Hispanic go down in Texas and kill a bunch of children and, and, and their teachers, you know, this kind of thing. So, yes, it's very important at this time, and I do think there is a distinction uh, between the voting of uh, 50 years ago versus or, or 40 years ago versus the importance of the vote right now. Um, for us to fail to exercise our right to vote, to uh, our right to run for political office, um, to set campaign restrictions in terms of funding is to fail ourselves as a people. And let me tell you, we may have thought that we'd never see another Hitler, Mussolini, or Franco, but we're seeing it. The Bolsonaros, the Trumps, uh, the Mahiris of the world are not to be taken for granted. Nor, as I mentioned before, 30 seconds, are, Sister Eleanor, 30 seconds. Nor are the Nana Nana Akofu Dole, like the president of Ghana, he's a brilliant man. But nor is he to be ignored because of personal enrichment and the division you talked about. So we are dividing the intellectuals on the one hand, where the authoritarianism is on the rise, and uh, so it's more important than ever that people, uh, African people, get out to register to vote and exercise that right, and that we also promote. Candidates. Ten seconds, Sister Eleanor. Ten seconds. That's it. Thank you so much, Brother Africa. Thank you very much, Brother Moses. I'd like to hear your response, Brother Moses. Isn't this political system that is set up as relates to the two parties in this voting process is a good example to what the oppressors were speaking about in this film, Trick Daddy, 1974, where they talk about how you misdirect African people, talents, energy, and time to serve them why they cannot spend it independently towards building their own community and making and organize their own institutions to compete and, and fight and resist the oppression that they are facing as a result of the enemy. Your response, Brother Moses. Independent, independent party, independent organization, uh, independent objectives and and uh, ge- independent agenda uh, from the Democratic and Republican parties. That's that's a basic. That's fundamental. There can be no revolution without a revolutionary organization. And so, you know, that's a given. Uh, um, the struggle to to raise political consciousness and to advance the day-to-day struggles of the people. Uh, requires to uh, to not ignore the the possibilities of reform and the, which voting uh, voting uh, provides. Um, it's a question of everyday struggles uh, and uh, 
Uh, but the overall objective is clear. You have to have an independent party. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And panelists, our last question for today's program. As it relates to that theme, you can news you can use and more part four. There was a video shown on YouTube not on YouTube on Facebook. And it was videoing a video video a young sister. I believe her name correctly is pronounced um Jalano Dunlap. She's from Fairville, North Carolina. She was a general manager of some private property where she was illegally stopped, harassed, and searched by one of the police officers within the area and forced her out of the car. Now, when you look at that particular video, one of the things one will come to a conclusion is that this seemed to be another example of the official um, criminal justice system under the police departments throughout this country view African people as not being a citizen, not being a American. Brother Haki, when you saw that video, could you or do you arrive at the same conclusion? What do you take from that? Yeah, I think I, I think the, the, the curious nature that African people confront in the society, you know, is epitomized, you know, by you know, the treatment from the police department, police, uh, police profession. Uh, speaks a lot in terms of you know perception. Uh, one of the things when we talk about law enforcement, often we talk about preventative crime, and and often preventative crime is interpreted as you know, uh, you know, uh, doing those kinds of things, you know, that um, that uh, forestalls prevents crimes ever happened in the first place. And certainly one of those things is to be proactive in terms of, you know, uh, you know, uh, stopping people arbitrarily, uh, even patting people down for no reason at all, or, or just harassing people in terms of just letting them know, you know, that, uh, you're, that, you're, that you're in the vicinity as a police officer. Uh, so clearly all that stuff underscores the point, you know, that, uh, you know, that there's something wrong that, in fact, when you, so when you have this kind of obtuse kind of treatment, of, uh, of 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 African people at at, ex, at, the, at the expense of all other groups, uh, not to say that it doesn't happen to other groups, because of course it happens to other groups, and particularly poor white people and Hispanics, it does happen. But when you talk about in terms of proportional representation, uh, certainly disproportionately given relative numbers in terms of African immunity, these the propensity of cops to engage in that kind of activity in terms of arbitrarily stopping people and, and shaking them down and giving a hard time and, and, and all this kind of thing, uh, it seems to be more pronounced when it comes to the African community. So from that perspective, I guess you have to conclude, you know, that there's perception that's, 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 perception that's behind these, these, these behaviors. And much of that, I suspect, has to do with the fact that you know, the historical role in terms of police officers as the people equipped to, you know, to uh, people empowered to actually keep the the African people in check in terms of, you know, uh, desire of, you know, wealthy white folks who want to make sure, you know, that uh, given the injustice these African people face, the inevitability of them rising up is very real, and so therefore we want a police force to keep these people in check. So I think to a large extent in terms of keeping us in check is, is a reflection of the need of white folks who are in positions of power in a system that exists 
that understands that the fundamental inequalities of society uh, means that inevitably people are going to rise up. And so the police job is to prevent that, that, that rising up of the people from ever happening in the first place. So I think you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. I think to a large extent it has a lot to do in terms of how we perceive as something other than, you know, a citizen. And and the, and the rally is that if the rally is that that being the fact that being the case, and it seems to me to come upon African people to understand, you know, that you have to build those kind of institutions. You have to safeguard uh, the interests of African people by having those kind of structures in place, not only monitor the police. Uh, uh, but to be able to to intervene and 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 to quell you know a lot of this injustice that systematically is taking place around the country. Sister Noah, when you look at that particular video and saw how police officer dealt with this young lady, Sylvia North Carolina, Sister Jalana Dunlap. Did it give you a sense of he didn't view her as a citizen, as a human being? Your response is Eleanor. Um, um, the treatment of uh, that woman is very common of how African Americans in particular are treated. We are a disenfranchised people. And as Brother Moses talked about, we need to organize our own political parties and to have an uh, uh, acknowledgement of who we are, despite uh, the fact that we live in a class society and are a part of that class strata. Uh, us as a people are... Um, are, 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 are are not considered to be a part of the mainstream. Uh, everyone else is, but not us. Um, the indigenous people, we're more akin to the indigenous people of this land than of uh, any of our um, uh, newcomers or anything else. And the United States is going through something quite interesting. It has the one of the largest, you know, people on planet Earth are on the move. But in particular, they're on the move to the U.S. And folks can come here and uh, I look at a situation like this, sisters, or or in Louisiana during COVID, uh, not COVID, but during the Katrina years ago, where um, people who had been property owners for decades in the ninth quarter were um, not able to receive those FEMA monies. Folks, uh, and a sister who lived adjacent to some folks from Iran were able to get their $135,000 and move on. She ended up being in a trailer park somewhere in Texas. So um, these are serious issues, and it's just fortunate that she got away with her life because uh, – Every day, the police kill someone in America, and more often than not, they have an African face, a black face. And uh, we have to build organization. We saw the sister up in Michigan um, when her son was killed. She said everything, and he was shot in the back of the head by the police. She said everything except for he's not one of them, meaning one of us. He is one of us. He's a person of African descent. 
but he is not the descendant of the slave. So um, with that in mind, I'll just conclude and say that uh, um, we live in a class society, but we're a disenfranchised people. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Alnoy. Brother Moses, what do you include from police officers refusing to go by their own procedure as relates to arresting, investigating American citizens, refuse to go by their own procedure, and they take the law in their own hands to terrorize and harass uh, like a young lady like Shalana Dumlap in Fairview, North Carolina. Yeah, well, we, we've seen George Floyd, and we've seen uh, a number of people, uh, you know, killed by the police. And uh, so we understand that the police department and the government itself is is suspect, um, whether it's they're, they're, we should be considered enemies of the government or, or, or what. Um, uh, um, we are not... We are not uh, the the desired uh, people that this government wants. Uh, uh, we are being discriminated. We're being oppressed. We're being repressed, and uh, and we're being choked. And uh, so that's what that's what the struggle is about: to raise consciousness and to raise to raise to change the system and to change change the structure of the system so that we can get rid of some of this institutionalized racism. Um, and so that's, that is the problem. Uh, that is the problem that we are oppressed. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, and to my political panelists and analysts. At this point in time, you're listening to Africa on the Move. We're going to take a relatively culture break when we come back. We're going to ask each one of you your final thoughts for tonight, and we will have some announcements. This is Africa on the Move. No. 
in the United States as descendants of freed slaves and vote and take advantage of this reform. We'll teach others around the world to do so, and they will join us in our organizing efforts. You know, the the thing about empowerment of African people in the United States is as we empower ourselves, we will empower others in Africa because there's a whole base of people that consciously and unconsciously love us that we love and are connected to. So with that in mind, I want to thank you again for a a wonderful show and uh, wish everyone a happy holiday season and uh, remind everyone that yesterday was, I think, United Nations Day and and besides, uh, people were organized around the world in support of Uma. Jamal and uh, um, uh, Asaj, and Julian Asan and, and other um, people around the world. And we need to support journalists right now. We need to support the both very basic things that we take for granted are being taken away from us, such as the vote, such as uh, journalists doing real journalism, writing real stories. And we are finding ourselves with political candidates being elected that have no contact with the press. Instead, they're going around with publicists who are um, using Facebook and other forms of uh, social media to communicate with uh, voters. So this is a critical time in world history, and it's time for us to organize and as the analyst said, to form alternative parties. And we've seen seen it happen, and we know it's possible. Because look what Trump has done to the Republican Party. Surely we can form our own parties. And uh, uh, the Black Caucus can be reorganized. All right. Thank you so much, and good evening. Thank you, Sister for your contributions to today's program. And before we go to Brother Haki, I would like to make a couple of quick announcements. And that is to remind everyone that uh, if you have not done so yet, please contact the African Awareness Association and request an application to come and join us along with the African Awareness Association as they take their annual Freedom Ride Liberation Trip to Cuba which will be from January the 23rd, January 23rd to the 30th. You know, Cuba has done so much for African African people. There's so much we can learn. Hey, come and join us. And Brother Haki will talk a little bit about why we should go in a few few minutes. And at the same time, we're asking all our listeners, supporters, and friends to try to help build this station by hashtagging Hashtag Africa on the Move Radio. We support it. And send that message out to your friends, to your loved ones, to your families, to all the people, your other networks you have. And let's build support for this radio station. And you can do that by making a contribution, donation, by Cash App. And you can Cash App that to dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, Small hour, 
small O, small B, or make your check or money over the donation to African Awareness Association, Inc., P.O. Box 4433, Richmond, Virginia, 23220. When you support us, you support your community, and we need the resources to be able to grow and get stronger so we be more effective and do more for our people. So we encourage you um, to come and help support us. And at this point in time, we're going to turn the mic over to Brother Haki. He's going to talk a little bit about why it's important, why it's important to support Cuba and go on this funeral trip in January and his final thoughts for tonight. Brother Haki, we now will turn the mic over to you. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things, Brother Africa, you know, we've been talking a lot tonight about in terms of the very real dangers confronting the society. And one of the things when we talk about the anti-humane character of capitalism, it's refreshing when you talk about a country like Cuba, which does the exact opposite, in which it has a pro-humane policy with respect to the kind of institution that innovate the kind of uh, uh, society it likes to see, and actually going about, you know, trying to create a society in which, you know, you get the best out of human beings. We think that ordinarily, you know, it, it makes sense in the want to have, get the best out of human beings. But the reality is that there are certain societies, certain capitalist societies, which doesn't doesn't understand necessity in terms of getting the best out of human beings. It all boils down in terms of what is what 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 the in, what, what an individual can get out of human beings, and not what the group can give to one another. In that context, when you talk about Cuba in terms of you know what it can give to one another, uh, you got to model that in terms of the ability, in terms of getting things done. And when you talk about educationally in terms of Cuba's ability to put you know. To create some of the doc- doctors and engineers, and uh, you know, in in in, in the uh, in the world, it's a testament in terms of the kind of institution that Cuba has been able to innovate. And often, when we talk about the kind of uh, antagonism imposed by the U.S. on a small nation like Cuba, it's it's understandable why the three U.S. is threatened by Cuba. Uh, Cuba represents the Cuba. In fact, is the 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 um, the, the the exact opposite of what America stands for. And so, America understands in terms of longevity. One thing it has to do is those ideas that stand to illuminate, to make, to get the best out of human beings, to create societies which are geared toward the 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 the, 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 the egalitarian nature, you know, of human existence, uh, where you know the greatest good and the greatest number is is the is the rule. Uh, the United States understands that such a such an idea in terms of the greatest number for the great the greatest good for the greatest number of people constitutes an existential threat to the very institutions of the United of, of a capitalist society. And so, therefore, Cuba finds itself constantly being threatened, undermined, uh, criminal embargoes, all kinds of things in terms of, for the sole purpose in terms of attempting to destroy Cuba, simply because Cuba's ideas have, have time has come. So we encourage people to go to Cuba firsthand and see for themselves, you know, the, the greatness that is Cuba, and, and, and get an opportunity to talk to the people. Uh, you know, Cuba have a lot of ideas in terms of, you know, how society should be organized. Take some of those ideas. Bring them back to your community. You know, express them with, with, with people in the community. Uh, the situation is, the situation in America is becoming perilous. And the bottom line is that we have to have an infusion of ideas. That's the bottom line. Uh, no matter how much we'd like to believe, you know, that if we just be um, pragmatic, you know, things are going to work out. Well, unfortunately, when we talk about human history and we look at all these atrocities happening historically, then we understand that America is no different than any other country. When you have, when you have in, inequities, uh, inequalities, uh, you know, uh, um, and uh, like manifested in, in Germany or Italy or Spain, 
where the same kind of inequalities and inequities that, that manifest itself you know, in America would have similar kinds of effects. So we talk about the horrible things that happen during those regimes, then we can understand that the same kind of horrible things are going to happen in, in the context of American society. America is not exceptional. It's not atypical. Regardless of what you hear, the bottom line is that history has its own logic. And we have to fundamentally understand that, you know, given that reality in terms of how history flows, that we're not immune from very bad things happening to, to, to people in society who live in the context of a, a capitalist society. So go to Cuba, see for yourself firsthand the beauty of Cuba, why it's so important in terms of innovating a, a social society. Bring it back to your community to have those discussions because that's key. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that, and I'll just say my final statement is this. I think um, the, the kind of deception employed, you know, by uh, the United States, is, I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's mind-boggling. Uh, the most recent propaganda, example of propaganda, is that they're talking about the fact that people are leave, leaving, leaving their jobs, hundreds of thousands of people are leaving their jobs. Well, the bottom line is that, you know, nobody, you know, chooses to leave a job, you know, uh, at, uh, you know uh, uh, that. no one does that lightly. Uh, that's the bottom line. This notion that they're trying to create that people just that the economy is so vibrant, it's so so efficient, it's so productive that people can afford to leave their job. But what is interesting is that when they talk about people leaving their job, they never talk about the fact that the people finding another job, which tells me that this notion that people are actually leaving their job is, is, is erroneous. It's not true. But, again, it, it fits the narrative. If you create the perception that, in fact, everything is fine, capitalism is good, is growing, everything is fine, if 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 you don't know any better, you tend to believe that kind of nonsense that you read, understanding, you know, that when you talk about cap, capitalist efficiency, it has nothing to do in terms of the overall betterment of society. It certainly has nothing to do in terms of the possibility of employing people. That's not that's not efficiency. When capitalism talks about efficiency, it's talking about less jobs for people, less wages for people. That's efficiency because it enables the, the small minority to to gain more access to to resources and to more profits, and that's what capitalism is about in a nutshell. And so we have to come to the realization that this is what we're up against, and this is the and if we don't understand that fundamental reality in terms of how the systems are organized, you know, uh, you know, we can we can find ourselves, you know, at at the, you know, uh, uh, confronting a situation which is not only perilous but facing a situation which is very very deadly. So we have to think long and hard in terms of what's going on in society, and we have to read. Earlier I talked about a book by James Mill called Underground Empire with Crime and Government's Embrace. I implore people, please, if you don't read anything else, read this book because you have to have a fundamental understanding in terms of, you know, U.S. intelligence, the drug trade, and how the correlation between the two and how the stuff actually works. And understanding that, then we understand the kind of strategies employed by the system in terms of the undermining the interests of African people, not just African people, but undermining the interests of humanity generally. But, of course, in the context of humanity, we understand specifically uh, the kind of uh, indifference toward African people is very, very pronounced. And I'm not going to pretend, you know, that somehow that, uh, you know, this, 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 this um, uh, disproportionate uh, uh, level of, of uh, indifference inflicted on the African community is somehow unimportant. It's very, very important. It's very, very germane. Uh, but having said that, Brother Africa, you know, I encourage people, you know, to unravel the matrix because it's key in terms of our longevity in society. And uh, nothing short in terms of understanding clearly what's going on and organizing the communities is going to uh, put an end uh, to the kind of problems that we're confronted with in this society. Having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. Thank you, Brother Haki. You do the same. Also, a quick reminder, I 
I want to just make a little announcement that for those who live in Miami tomorrow morning at the Federal District Court, um, Brother Alan Saab legal team will be giving their, will present their case to the court on why they should release him because it was illegal in terms of the redemption or trafficking him in illegally. Uh, so if you hear this message and you live in the Miami court, in the Miami area, down in Florida, they to have a rally in support to free out Come on out and support it. Now, until next time, we'll be back next week, same time, same station. We actually are listening to audience and supporters who hear this voice. Take one minute and email and send out emails to your friends and relatives and put support, hashtag Africa on the Move Radio, and send it out, and they can reach us and listen to us every Sunday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Now, dial in at 323-679-0841. We will greatly appreciate it. Again, if you'd like to support us and the station at work, just cash up us at dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. Until next time, like always, this is Brother Africa, and we're going to always try to go what? Or wherever, that was never. We'll see you next week and leave you with some sounds of sweet liberation.
El amaranta y el pinky, ¿dónde están? No, la cantera. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries. Their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, cause Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love, Palestine, and creed we need a new beginning let us plant the seed plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that palestine, palestine. needs her freedom Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by the news, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last through my 
my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
up. Some That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Calling him a terrorist. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, uh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that. Have that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy. Mosaddegh. Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's mm-hmm. his music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure. After you divorce yourself from the right wing propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain. America can stand the game. Your president got an African name. Now who you gon' blame when they drop the bombs out of them planes? Using depleted uranium, babies looking like two-headed aliens. Follow the money trail that leads to the criminal, and nothing subliminal to it. That's how they do it. See the game they run. Give a fuck if he's cunning, articulate and handsome. Afghanistan held for ransom by the hand of this black man. Neo colonial puppet, white power with a black face. He said, fuck it, I'll do it. A master of the skies, expert at telling lies. Then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Should have known he was trained in Chicago. Word the chairman Fred and Mark Clark. What they do in the dark will come out in the light like a WikiLeaks site. So I guess the crew was right. Who's ready to fight? Last stage of imperialism, I ain't kidding. In the immortal words of Marvin Gaye, this ain't living. Just bombed an African country like... 
strip was getting bomb. Obama didn't say shoot. The Jonas brothers are here. They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans. But uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. <laughs> you will never see it coming. You think I'm joking?
sciences, engineering, medicine, religion, fine arts, and built the Great Pyramids, an architectural achievement which still baffles modern science. The 225th Emperor, 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 direct descent from Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, Sheba, Sheba. He is the King of Kings, the Lion of Judah. Educate yourself of Africa To liberate yourself Africa Keep your heads up high No more will we cry Our history that they stole Africa Is written in our souls Africa What you were Well, well Ships that sailed to distant places Robbed us of our rights and words History says that you betrayed Talking of the God you serve Here's a rumbling in the sky Here's that our forefathers cry And today we're still in I'm on trial with the man, she my co-defendant And I demand her attention, can you focus woman? I'm getting closer to the sky every time I hit it Holly Selassie, power of the trinity Soul made in Niger, my wife made in Italy White man's world that I'm living in some state But it was Africa, the continent we all came from Can't nothing come between me and you So before I have seeds, gotta understand my roots Gotta understand the truth, we is all kings round here Life's not all fair, work till we fall dead All going hard till I earn like a poor girl Although my body's in the U.S., my heart's there I can never be ashamed of her I got my features and my name from her Mama Africa The richest place on earth Know just what you're worth
Educate yourself, Africa. To liberate yourself, Africa. Keep your heads up high. Beautiful Lord Africa, a legend of the bar, Africa.
Like a lion in the jungle Africa wants to be free Like a rock in the sky If you don't know you need you got to know oh, oh. Mama Africa is not free
right? 